0: During recent months, as people have been interviewed about the last year of lockdown, the same question has been asked, which is, what is the thing that you've missed most? And almost without exception, the answer has been how much people have missed meeting with other people, with family and friends. It's not been so much about missing things or missing activities. Just being in the company of other people is what folks have missed most. I know for me, I've missed the church meetings on a Sunday morning and the buzz in the room as the people begin to come together. I've missed watching friends, greeting friends and the laughter and the smiles and the hugs and the high fives, the sense of love of God between us as we gather as his family. I miss the worship, I miss that sense of excitement as we begin to praise God together I miss the testimonies, the gifts of the Spirit being manifest. I miss the singing of prophetic songs. I even miss the notices. I miss sitting under the word as someone speaks and the amens and other things taking place in the meeting. If I'm speaking, I even miss the heckles. I miss having a cup of coffee with friends after the meeting and catching up on what's been happening. I miss the family of God just being together. I'm sure, like me, we've all appreciated the amazing technology we have in Zoom and WhatsApp, Facebook and YouTube that have enabled us to keep in virtual contact with one another over the last year. Just imagine what it would have been like without those means of communication. And so we do thank God for those wonderful people, including Dave and Harry, our interns and others who have learned the technology and given, given us church online. We continue to thank them for all the efforts. However, we need to realise that for some people it may be difficult to come back together when lockdown and social distancing ends and what's more we can meet in person. According to people who know and study such things, habits are established by repeating the same action over and over for an extended period of time. And that's been all our experience in the last year. We have become used to and developed the habit of not meeting together. So re-establishing the new habit of meeting together may take some effort. Perhaps church for, from the sofa has convenience. It takes away the effort of getting up out of the house and heading to a building. And I can tune in when it suits me and it fits in with my schedule. But in Hebrews 10.25 he says, Don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another. There are people who may need to be encouraged back amongst us when lockdown is over, so we will all need to be encouragers. Because online virtual church will always be a temporary solution, a poor substitute for the family of God being together. Because God never designed us to be a collection of separated individuals. His purpose in creation was that he might have a people, a family together. And whilst God knows and loves us all as individuals, he never wanted us to be isolated from one another. In fact, the first thing God ever declared to be not good was for man to be alone. Sometimes you might hear people say, if I was the only person on earth, Jesus would have died just for me. Well, such statements are meaningless because they are hypothetical conjecture the god of the bible reveals himself throughout scripture as a god who desires family not a collection of disconnected isolated individuals during this pandemic whilst the body has not been able to meet together a special grace has been given to us that has sustained us and supported us in our isolation It has, as it were, kept our fires burning while we have been separated, while we've been unable to meet with one another. That same special grace is what sustained the Apostle Paul when he was in prison. It sustained John on the island of Patmos and many others in the scripture and throughout church history. Those who were, because of exceptional circumstances, unable to meet with the family of God. They were recipients of this special grace. However it would be foolish to believe that this special grace will be there to sustain us in isolation when we are able to meet together, when not meeting with the family of God has been a choice. God does not give us grace to live contrary to his word. But we can be confident that whatever we face in life, God's provision will be sufficient for us. This is the wonderful truth of being part of his great family, members of his body. Because God purposed that in normal circumstances, the members of his body are part of his provision for that body. Every member of the body is there to play a vital role in the supply chain of God's provision to the rest of the body. Jesus, of course, himself is the head of that body. There's a wonderful verse in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. I'm looking at it in the NIV, the New International Version. And it says... uh, from him speaking of jesus from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work this is a great passage and an important passage and this morning i just want to briefly highlight three elements from this verse firstly we are all joined together in 1 corinthians 12 13 it tells us that we were all baptized by one spirit into one body when i received christ i became part of his body with you therefore i cannot be joined to christ and disconnected from you being joined to christ is being joined to one another his body this is not a theoretical body, not a virtual body, but a real body of real people who were joined together in the family of God. This body does not have virtual members, it only has real, active, living, functioning, serving members. There are no artificial arms or artificial legs, there are no glass eyes, just a living body of God's redeemed people. I'm glad to say that every part of my natural body is a committed member. I don't have no-shows in my physical body. It would be difficult if one of my arms uh, decided to take the day off. It can't do that because it's joined to me, it's part of me. It's both the receiver and the giver of life to the other parts of my body. It receives from the body, and gives to the hand, which in turn helps minister to the body. Every part has its place, its part to play. Whether young or old, male or female, rich or poor, educated or not, every person who receives Christ is baptized into his body, which is the church, and has a vital part to play in the well being of that body. The New Testament knows nothing of lone ranger Christians, disconnected, out there, doing their own thing. So firstly, we are joined to God, and so we are also joined to one another. And secondly, we are held together by every supporting ligament. Ligaments in our natural bodies serve to support internal organs and hold bones together in pro- proper articulation at the joints. They are vital for the effective functioning of the body. And every member of the body of Christ is there as a supporting ligament to hold the body together, to enable it to work and to function, and to grow and to build itself up in love. This is not just a job for elders and pastors and leaders, but every member of the body is a ligament holding the body together. You can imagine the lack of mobility we would have in our natural bodies if our ligaments were absent. And similar problems occur in the body of Christ when members cease to function when they are absent. You know, the last thing we need in the body of Christ is virtual ligaments. We need actual ligaments that actually help hold the body together and grow. Maybe we should change the name of our midweek groups from connect groups to ligament groups. A group of people who help hold one another together. I've heard people say, well, you know, I don't do connect groups because I don't get anything out of them. They're missing the point of being part of the body of Christ. It's not all about what do I get out. But what do I put in? What do I contribute? What support am I giving? So we are joined to God and to one another and we are held together by God and by one another. And finally, this verse tells us that the family of God, the body, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I hope all of us would say we want to see the church grow and be built up in love. We want to grow because growth is a sign of life. One of the prophetic words we have received and are working towards is that we will be a church bursting at the seams. <laughs> bursting at the seams seems to be what a few of us done during lockdown as we put some weight on. But, but, but we believe that God has told us that as a church, we will be bursting at the seams. This word from God did not just come to elders and deacons and group leaders. It came to every member of the church. It came to his body. It came to you. Therefore, every member of this body needs to give time and energy towards honoring God's word to us. And growth will happen. Bursting at the seams will take place when every member of the body does their work, as everyone plays their part. Not only are we to grow numerically, but to build ourselves up and to develop ourselves in gift and ministry, in serving and caring, to go deeper and higher and further with God than we've ever been before. You know, the danger for some is that they have settled over the last year, thinking, I'm okay where I am now. But settling for the people of God is never an option. Terah, the father of Abraham, set out to the land of promise but settled at a halfway point at a place called Haran and he died there. Folks, we die where we settle. And the tragic history of the church is people have settled. Settled for halfway house, halfway to the place God has promised to us. It's so sad to see Christians happy and content in what God has brought them out of without progressing into all God wants to get them into. And if I may be permitted, just one more finally. The word love here in this verse is translated from the Greek language in which it was written. As you know, there's a number of Greek words that we in English translate as the word love. There's eros, which is that physical, sensual, romantic kind of love. I'm in favour of eros. And there's thorge, which is family love, the love of a parent for a child, or a child for its parent. Or, in my case, of a grandfather to the best grandchildren ever. And there's philia, which means brotherly love. But the word used here is agape. This is the covenant love of God for his people, as well as our reciprocal love for God. This is spiritual love. Agape is a Greek equivalent to the Hebrew word hesed. This is covenant love. Agape love extends to how I am with others. It refers to to a, a pure, willful, sacrificial love that intentionally desires the highest good For our brothers and sisters in the body, agape love is concerned with is unconcerned with self-interest, but concerned with the greater good of others. It's not born out of emotions or feelings, but from the will and as a choice. For agape love is sacrificial love. Jesus said, "This is my commandment, that you love each other in the same way." I loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus laid down his life for us on the cross, the greatest ever demonstration of agape love. And we are called to lay down our lives for him and for one another because we love, we agape one another. Agape means we die daily to self. And present our bodies as living sacrifices and we do that by serving him and serving one another hopefully soon in the not too distant future we will be able to meet together again not virtual church but the family his body joined and held together by every supporting ligament growing and building each other up in love with every member playing their part Our future is as bright as the promises of God to us. And I pray in these days leading up to us being able to be together again, we will all prepare ourselves for all he has promised to us. May God bless you. Amen. And Agape, covenant love to you all.